All right. Come on up, guys. Good morning, everybody. Um, today is a really cool day. Um, good morning, guys. <laughs> um, we, uh, we're responding to what the Holy Spirit had put on our hearts to do and even kind of flipping up the script with just doing a little worship at the end and just triumphantly, triumphantly doing that, worshiping the Lord at the very end. Um, and this is a big week. This is a big week for America, and this is a big week for us as Americans and Christians because it's election week. Um, and this is a very unique time, uh, unprecedented. And there's a lot of there's a lot of heavy things that that are upon our hearts um, due to COVID and politics and um, society. Now more than ever, we need to be reminded that Jesus Christ is our strength, is our rock. And we need to point each other to him. So that's what the purpose of today's pastoral panel is. Um, The name of uh, today's, the title of the message um, is Electing to Trust God. Um, So uh, all three of us have a little something to share. Um, For those of you watching online, um, we love that you watch online. Uh, And for those of you there in the building, um, we love having you guys here with us. So um, let me just uh, take a second to pray over uh, the offering, over the opportunities to give that we have, uh, and then I'm also going to pray over the service. So let's um, uh, let's pray. Lord, you are good, and uh, we give you our all right now. We give you our attention. We give you our preference. We give you our resources, Lord. We give you uh, of uh, offering, Lord, and we return the tithes to you. We just set our hearts to a place of trust. As we focus on your bigness, Lord, you are good and you are big and you are mighty and you're so loving, Lord. So, Lord, I pray that you would just bless everybody right now who is purposing in their heart to to give, to support this work that we are doing of reaching our town, our region, our community, our state and the nations with your love, Lord. Lord, we just thank you for this this time where that we get to worship you in the word. And, Lord, we yield to you, Lord, the three of us uh, as pastors in this church, we just yield to you. Holy Spirit, do that awesome thing you do where you take our efforts and you make it better. You, you take our, our passion, but you, you make it life-changing that we could never do on our own. And you take the words spoken by men and you personalize it to our hearts where that we know that we're being spoken to by you. Lord, we're listening. We're yours. We're hungry, and so we say, Holy Spirit, teach us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to start off with Chris. Chris Herman, everybody. All right, good morning, church. Uh, Thank you, Mark. Uh, First off, I just want to say this is my first time preaching, and and, uh, I do want to say it's an absolute honor and privilege, so thank you so much. Um, So my message this morning is on trust in the Lord. Uh, as Mark was talking, we're, we're approaching election 2020, and a uh, very, very uh, important time for our country right now. Um, and I'm sure everyone's heard this phrase before, this is the most important election of your lifetime. And I know that I've said it several times during the past six months, 12 months, and so forth. Um, but how many times has that phrase actually been used in the past? Uh, you know, I know right now we think this is the most important election, but four years ago, people thought that was the most important election. Eight years ago, that was the most important election. So everyone always says that. Uh, they always says, I know that, that people say in the past, 
this is the most important election, but this one truly is the most important election. So I, I know that everyone always says that. Uh, but why is this election so important? Is it because we've got uh, two very different uh, candidates for the presidential office? Is it because of the, the various ballots that are currently uh, being voted on? Or is it because we're just in a very crazy uh, pandemic right now? Um, all, those, all those are factors that, that go into why this is such an important election right now. Um, I'll be the first to admit that I'm uh, extremely opinionated. And anyone who knows me knows I'm pretty, pretty partisan when it comes to politics. I, I definitely vote a certain way. Um, I'm not going to mention which way. Um, but everyone pretty much knows how, how I plan to vote. Uh, I've already done all my research. Uh, I've completed my ballot. I filled out all the ovals properly, made sure they were filled in properly. I signed, dated, and sealed my envelope, dropped it off at the ballot box. But in all actuality, actually, Tana submitted my, my vote into the ballot box. She was with me that day. I was dropping it off. Um, so we've officially voted. Our votes have already been uh, registered and counted. There's nothing more I can do. Um, and now as we're approaching election, a good friend of mine, Mark Harper, actually reminded me just a couple days ago, at this point, I need to, to just let go and trust God. There's nothing more I can do. I've already done my research. I've already, I've already made my vote. I've already submitted my vote. There's nothing more I can do. At this point, I need to trust in God. And it, it, it brings up a, a story in the Bible that... Um, um, not a story, in actuality in the Bible, when Jesus was, was uh, approaching his uh, crucifixion. Uh, not my will, but yours be done. As Jesus was in the, praying in the Garden of Gethsemane, his first request to his father was, not my will, but yours be done. Take this cup of suffering away from me. Uh, Luke 22:42 says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. How powerful is that message? As Jesus withdrew to a dark and secluded hillside in the Garden of Gethsemane, he knew what laid ahead of him. Um, during this time, crucifixions happened. It's just a gross, awesome, or awful way to die. So he knew what laid ahead of him. And he still, he, he was obviously fearful. As a man of flesh, flesh and blood, he did not want to suffer that horrifying torture of death by crucifixion. As a son of God who had never experienced detachment from his loving father, he could not fathom the separation that was ahead of him. Yet he prayed to God with simple and humble faith with submission. Speaking of the cup, the cup of suffering, the cup of Jesus will involve suffering. The cup of suffering doesn't quite get what Jesus meant when he referred to a cup. If we look back in the Old Testament, we find the metaphor of the cup can stand for our lives which can be filled with a variety of things. Our cup can be filled with blessings, salvation. It could be overflowing with goodness. And our cup could be filled with security and joy. On the flip side, our cup can also stand for God's judgment and wrath. Our cup can be filled with drunkenness, sorrow, ruin, and desolation. Our cup can also be filled with uncertainty and fear. Speaking of fear, I know a lot of people are experiencing fear right now. Uh, many Christians are troubled by Jesus' request to have the cup taken from him. Um, as Christians, we can think, didn't, wasn't that Jesus' mission? Didn't he come to die for us? Wasn't that his overall mission? Um, didn't he prophesy about this? Didn't he know this was coming? How is it possible for Jesus to have asked for any other way out of this situation? He knew it was coming ahead of him. 
uh, but he was still half man, half, half uh, uh, God. I can't pray to answer these questions, or I can't begin to answer these questions in a satisfying way. But what I see in Jesus' prayer is a genuine human being who was not only fully human, he was also fully divine. I catch a glimpse of the unspeakable horror that awaits Jesus. He knew what was ahead of him. I see a Jesus to whom I can relate as a man, one who is much more like me than the superhuman, the superman Jesus who goes to the cross without a second thought and hesitation. He knew what was ahead of him. He was still hesitant, but he knew that was his his destiny. Uh, Jesus prayed for strength. Jesus faced his fear over the upcoming suffering he would endure on the cross by praying for strength to do his Father's will. Instead of letting fear overwhelm him, Jesus dropped to his knees and prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. We can follow Christ's example and humbly submit our concerns into our Heavenly Father's loving hands. We can trust that God will be with us to help us through whatever we must endure. He knows what lays ahead and always has our best interests in mind. So, what does it mean to trust God? Maybe not what we all think. We are often told, you need to trust God. Many of us have told others, you need to trust God. Uh, any, any people who are anxious, downcast, going through a hard time, a lot of times the answer is, you need to trust God. But what does that mean? In some cases, who give that advice, they're basically telling people, don't worry, God will eventually give you what you want. God will come around to your way of thinking. Hang in there, wait for God to answer your way. And he'll take care of things in a way that pleases you. But those are not trust. To trust is to move to the understanding that whatever God decides to do is the right thing. It means being at peace with what he does and what he decides. It is accepting that God often acts in mysterious ways, in ways that are different from or even contrary to our notions of what we think is best, what we want. God often permits evils for some greater good, even if this greater good is hidden from us. An old hymn comes to mind. I'm sure most of you know it. It is well with my soul. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast cast me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. That is true trust. That is real trust right there. The ability to say whatever my lot, it is well with my soul. So it is not wrong to present our wishes and wants to God, but trusting him means being at peace with his answer and not resenting it. Uh, I have one more verse here, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, NIV version. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lead not in your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. So church, at this point, I just want to remind us, uh, our prayer going forward, this has to be our prayer. I pray that I maintain a close and intimate relationship with you so that I may be ready and willing to pray, not my will, but yours be done. Amen. That's good, Chris. That's good. Church, that does need to be our prayer. Um, We do have to lay our preference uh, and our thoughts aside at the end of the day and trust in him um, because he knows what he's doing. And, you know, Chris is right that he doesn't always answer our prayers the way we think they should be answered, but we can trust that he knows what's best.
So let's just pray that really quickly. Father, uh, we just thank you for your goodness and your wisdom, Father God. And we know that we can trust in you. And despite our thoughts and feelings on what may or may not happen, uh, the outcome of the coming election or um, just the direction that the world is headed, Father, we know that your will is, is best, Father God. We ask that your will be done. So we just surrender our hearts and our minds and our thoughts to that right now. And we just pray that. We say, not our will, but yours be done, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> well done, man. So as we were preparing uh, for today, what the Lord had put on my heart to share with everyone is, uh, is just unity. Um, and just reminding us that unity is so important to God. Uh, we call ourselves the United States of America, and yet today we find ourselves more divided than ever in so many ways. And friends, I say that fully recognizing that there's not much we can do to change that. That's just the harsh reality. Unfortunately, November 4th, our country will be just as divided and, and likely even more so regardless of the, of the outcome of the election. I, I also acknowledge and recognize that I don't have the authority to speak to this uh, in, in a way that the entire nation is going to hear or even the entire church is going to hear. But God has given me a responsibility to speak into this church, to our local church, to Impact Rock Church. And so I, I'm, I just want to do that. I want to remind us that unity is important to God and that we have to strive to be united in the plans and purposes of God so that we can be effective in reaching our region with his love, with his peace and his hope. Um, because our hope is in him and him alone. Unity is, is so important to God. And it's demonstrated in the Holy Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Each an individual person of God, but unified as one. God's design for marriage is unity. Uh, the two become one flesh. And it's, it's sad, but we've lost so much of the unity of our nation. I think back to when I was a kid, and at the start of every school day, we stood before the flag, and we said the Pledge of Allegiance. And, you know, that's had a lot of controversy around it, and I, I don't even know that it happens very many places anymore, but I just remember that, uh, doing that every day. And, you know, I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. And it's, it's sad that we've, we've gotten so far away from that. We have to be united. We have to be one nation. We need to be indivisible. We need to not be divided over whatever the outcome is. We need to be united. Instead of pledging our allegiance to the political party we most closely align with, we need to be united as a nation, as a people, and as Christians under God. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't vote our beliefs and, you know, like Chris said, make known, um, you know, our vote and, and our beliefs. But at the end of the day, we have to trust God in it all. The Bible says that a kingdom divided cannot stand. In Mark 3, 24 and 25, it says, If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house will not be able to stand. 
And I realized that that scripture is speaking in context to casting out demons and scribes were accusing Jesus of casting out demons in, in the name of Satan or whatever. And, but the, the message still remains. That the truth in that is that united we stand and divided we fall. A house divided cannot stand. Whether it's division among forces of good or evil, among parties or policies, division divides. Division tears down. What benefit is there in tearing down our own nation? And how can we expect to stand if we do so? A nation divided cannot stand. We must be united. And as we approach election day, the Lord wants to remind us of this, that no matter who ends up being elected, no matter who resides in that Oval Office, we have to be united and stand behind whoever that person is. We have to place our trust in God and not which party's candidate is elected. In that uh, scripture in Mark 3, the word divided is uh, marizio, and it means to divide, to separate into parts, cut into pieces, to divide into parties or be split into factions. There's something that Mark says often, uh, all the time, in fact. He says the whole takes precedence over the part. And in this, our nation should take precedence over our party. Our God should take precedence over it all. We have to trust him. We can't place our trust and our hope and our future in a candidate. We can only place it in God because that's where it belongs. He's the only one that is trustworthy. He is hope. He is our future. So many have placed their trust in something other than the person of Jesus Christ. But it's in Christ alone that we have our hope and our future. No matter if your guy gets in or not, we have to pray for and support the authority that's put in place. Why do we have to do that? Because all authority is established by God. Romans 13.1 says this, Every person is to be in subjection to the governing authorities, for there is no authority, no authority, except from God. And those which exist are established by God. All authority is established by God, and there is no authority except from him. And honestly, friends, this should bring us a tremendous amount of peace. If we place our trust in him and we trust that he establishes all authority, then we should be able to stand behind whoever's there because we trust in God, not in that person. I dug into some of the specific words in that scripture. Um, That word person says every person. And one of the the descriptions there, or the definitions there, is the seat of the feelings, desires, affections, and aversions within our heart or our soul. Our affections, the things that we agree with, the things that we love, and our aversions, the things that we don't agree with. Those things should be subjected. Hupatasso. It's a word that's come up a lot here lately. Be yielded and submitted to the governing authorities. For there's no authority except from God. And that word from being except by or except under God. We have to submit our desires and preferences, our affections and our versions to the authority of God and what he puts in place. Because he put it there. We should be united in Jesus and place our, our trust in him and our hearts in that should find peace.
Because the reality is, no matter the outcome, God is still seated on the throne. Psalm 47.8 says, God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. He hasn't left. He's still there. He still reigns. And we can trust him. Part of our unity should also be in prayer. We need to be unified in prayer for our nation, our president, and our other leaders. 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 2 says this. First of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and for all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. Let's skip down to verse 5. It says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. And then you skip down to verse 8. It says, Therefore I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. We should be lifting our hands in prayer and our hearts in prayer without wrath and dissension. Friends, if your candidate is elected, lift them up in prayer. If your candidate isn't elected, lift them up in prayer without wrath and dissension. We don't have to agree on everything, but we have to stand together in unity. So how do we stand in unity when we don't agree? How do we stand in unity when we don't see eye to eye? The key, friends, is to stop looking at each other and look to God. I love this quote by A.W. Tozer. He said, Has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same fork are automatically tuned to each other? They are of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers met together, each one looking away to Christ, are in heart nearer to each other than they could possibly be were they to become unity conscious and turn their eyes away from God to strive for closer fellowship. If we focus on the Lord and we trust him and we're in agreement with him, we don't have to concern ourselves so much with being in agreement with each other because we're tuning to God. By giving up our need to be right and desiring instead for Jesus to be right, to trust, like Chris said, the things that may not make sense to us, but he has purpose in that we may not ever understand. If we trust in that and are unified under him, that's where we need to be. So as we approach election day, let's let Jesus be right. Let's place our hope and trust in him. Let's get back to the United States of America. One nation under God, trusting him and him alone. And let's support and pray for whichever candidate is elected. Like Chris, like Mark, I have my preferences too but I'm going to choose to trust in God. My prayer is that our nation is blessed in unity instead of cursed by division. As I said before, we can't affect the whole nation or even the whole church, but we can affect our church. We can affect our area. We can affect our circle of influence. And when we're in unity, the Lord commands a blessing. In Psalm 133, 1 through 3, it says, Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, 
running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. There's blessing when we dwell in unity. So let's choose to be united. Let's elect to trust God. Hi, y'all. Hey, did you notice we're wearing red, white, and blue? Did you notice that? Come on. Come on. We don't play. We get a theme. We're going to go all the way with that theme. Um, Thank you, Lord. Guys, um, well done. Um, You know, there's... The older I get, the more I learn about myself. Um... And the more I desire to learn about myself and the more I desire to learn about other people. And even now there's um, a book that I'm reading um, that's really been fantastic in helping me learn more about myself. And and one of the traits that I have um, that's important to me is loyalty. Um, I'm I'm loyal, you know, I mean, sometimes even to a fault. Um, I value my relationships. I value my family. You don't mess with my family. Um, I value my friendships, um, my church. I mean, for crying out loud, I, we left Southern California in the 80s, but I ain't going to give up on the Raiders because they were my team then, and dang it, they're my team now. And <laughs> we, got, we got one amen and a lot of, yeah, not amens. Um, and, and I love our country, but not... Not Impact Rock, not Raiders, not even um, American um, is the title that I hold most dear to my heart. And that as that is Christian, follower of Christ. I bear the name of Christ. I want to represent Christ. We who, who have given our lives to him, we want to represent Christ and to do so honorably and with loyalty and with authenticity. And so that's what we're talking about today. So I want to lead with this question. Where is your trust? We place our trust on a lot of different things. Different banks, investments, sources of security, different people, different products. And as we stand In the doorway of election day, I ask you, with whom do you place your trust for the future of our country? With whom do you place your trust for the future of our state? Please turn in your Bibles or open your Bible apps to Psalm 20. Um, We're going to stay in Psalm 20 for a bit. Psalm 20 is is amazing. It's, It's an amazing little chapter. There's only nine verses in it. And it's, it's a chapter of blessing. It's a chapter of prayer. It's a chapter of declaration. And it's also a prophetic chapter that points us to Jesus. So it's Psalm 20 is a really cool chapter. And so that's, that's where I'll be highlighting and pointing us to Jesus from today. So I want to start uh, with verse 7 and 8 of Psalm 20. Some trust in chariots 
and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall. They meaning chariots and horses. Chariots and horses collapse and fall. But we rise and stand upright. Without looking in what or whom does King David say he places his trust? Not just in our Lord, our God, but in what? In the name of the Lord, our God. We will trust in the name of the Lord, our God. So what does the name represent? The name speaks of the comprehensive character of God. The combined sum of his faithfulness, of his authenticity, of his honesty, that he is truth, that he is love, that he is joy, that he is strength, that he is salvation, that he is healer, that he is deliverer. The name is the comprehensive character of Jesus Christ. Charles Spurgeon said this about the name of God. Listen to this. This is really cool. Spurgeon said, by the name is meant the revealed character and word of God. We are not to worship the unknown God, but we should seek to know the covenant God of Jacob, who has been pleased to reveal his name and attributes to his people. The name of the Lord our God. Friends, we must know the name before we can remember the name. We must know the strength of God before we can recall every moment that his strength has carried us through a difficulty. We must believe in the mighty character of God, perfectly exemplified in Jesus Christ. And then he reveals it to us. He reveals his character to us. He reveals his nature to us. We see facets of his goodness, and they're awesome. Do we trust in the name of the Lord our God? When it comes to this election, do we trust the all-encompassing, comprehensive character of God? And do we trust him with the results of the future of America? It's not just me. Most of us think we're always right. We do. We think we're almost always right. You think you're almost always right, right? You're like, yeah, I'm right. My parents don't know it. But yeah, I, yeah I'm, I mean, I'm right. I still do the same thing. You don't outgrow it. But I tell you who I am absolutely dependent upon being right, and that's God. I say it all the time. And, and couples, if you're not doing this, please do this. I'm, I'm throwing you a, a tool right now, man. I'm I'm equipping you with, a, with an awesome power tool right here. When you're in the midst of fighting or you're disagreeing and you're in the midst of kind of, there's, 
you're in the midst of a feud or you know it's on the, on the way. Men, I task you with the, the challenge of, I challenge you with leading and you lead this prayer and you grab, you grab your wife and you say, hey, let's pray. You don't grab your wife. You grab your wife gently by the hand and, and you say, hey, I'm, I'm just going to pray. We need the Lord to be right in this. And you pray this prayer. Lord, I don't want to be right. I don't. Not at the expense of, of you being wrong. And Lord, I know my wife, she doesn't want to be right. Not at the expense of you not getting your way. So Lord, we yield to you so that you can be right. So Lord, have your way. Not my will, but your will be done. And, and it accomplishes what Chris talked about in that yielding of self and that yielding of control. And it unifies because it tunes us to the common key of Jesus Christ. And we say, I need you to be right. So I ask you, have you voted? Have you voted already? For those of you that have voted good, you should vote. Every American should vote. And I honestly, every Christian especially should vote. And it kind of, I'm not going to go on the rabbit trail, but it ticks me off when I hear Christians not voting going, oh, I just trust the Lord. He's going to have his way regardless. Don't get me started. That is total mess. Okay. That's. That's malarkey. Did I hear malarkey? I'll take I'll take malarkey. Malarkey doesn't get you know me uh, you know edited you know and malarkey's good. We should vote. Maybe you're waiting until Tuesday to vote. I'm I'm having surgery tomorrow, and I didn't want to risk that I would may or may not feel good on Tuesday. So I've already voted. I already submitted. It's already been counted, registered with the county. Great. But what do we do after we've voted? We elect to trust God. We choose to place our trust in Christ alone. Now that's easy for me to say right now on November 1st. Real easy for me to say right now. Because I'm still very hopeful that, and you know me, and I'm still hopeful that President Trump's going to win. That's who I voted for. That's that's who, I I still hope he's going to win. It's easy for me to say now. It's easy for me to say now because I, I voted that Proposition 115 would pass. And, and I'm very passionate about that. And so it's easy for me to say that now because I, I have hope that that will pass. But what if come November 4th, I've lost both of those things? And by the way, I hate to lose more than I like to win. That's just my temperament. What do I do then? And don't look at me like that, because you suckers, it's the same thing. And you out there, I can't even see you, but you know you're the same way. What are you going to do then? We must choose to elevate Jesus Christ and his name and his character above our preference. We must choose to elevate Jesus Christ and his name above our party. Above our desires. You guys, you guys know me. I, I, I try and live my life like a pretty transparent book. I try and be pretty authentic across the board. It was not a surprise to hear that those two items that I mentioned, who my candidate was in that particular proposition. That's not a surprise to anybody who knows me. And then this shouldn't be a surprise either. I trust Jesus above all. I am a Christian before I'm an American. 
I'm a follower of Jesus before I'm a harper, before I'm a pastor, before I'm a father, before I'm a husband, before I'm a Raiders aficionado. So now I'll ask you to personalize it. I, I, I was intentionally vulnerable with what I believe. Now I ask you to personalize it. What are your points of passion? What are your areas of passion? What are the propositions you voted for that you feel so strongly about? What are the candidates that you voted for that you feel so strongly about? What are the um, judicial choices where you feel strongly whether they should stay or go? I'm talking to you now. I'm asking you right now to think about your preferences and what if you lose? How are you going to represent Christ when you don't get your way? How am I going to represent Christ when I don't get my way? I referenced Psalm 20 and it really is. It's awesome, guys. It's nine verses, man. We, like everyone, go dig into that. It's so awesome. And I'll say this right now, just as like a little foreshadowing. We should be praying for ourselves. And when I say praying for ourselves, Marie should be praying for Marie. Eric should be praying for Eric. My mom should be praying for herself. Yes, we pray for each other. I think think we're pretty good about that. I, I don't know how good we are about praying for ourselves. We should be praying for ourselves. Even though he was king... David, the the writer of Psalm 20, knew that he wasn't exempt from praying for himself. Let's read the six verses that led up to that. I read seven and eight, so I'm trusting chariots. That was verse seven. So let's read those six verses that led up to that that I read. And, And let's see that David is praying over himself and blessing his soul with these words that points, that pointed himself to God. Verse one. Of Psalm 20. May the Lord answer you in the day of trouble. May the name of God, of the God of Jacob, protect you. May he send you help from the sanctuary and give you support from Zion. May he remember all your offerings and regard with favor your burnt sacrifices. Selah. And I love Selah, by the way. It means pause. Think about it. Meditate on this. Don't just move on to the next thing. I love Selah. It's it's just a reminder. Slow down, Harper. Meditate on the goodness of God. At first glance, when we're reading this, we might think he's just proclaiming a blessing over the people. But I want you to know, this is in preparation to battle. He's praying this blessing over himself. Yes, it also includes praying over the people. But I want you to see there's going to be a, 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 a change from you, 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 to we, to our, okay? Let's keep reading. Verse 4. May he grant your heart's desire and fulfill all your plans. May we, verse 5, may we shout for joy over your salvation and in the name of our God set up our banners. May the Lord fulfill all your petitions. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He will answer him from his holy heaven with the saving might of his right hand. And then verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. They collapse and fall. But we 
rise and stand upright. This is the king. This is the king saying this. Other kingdoms trust in chariots. Other kings trust in, in their in their arsenal of horses. It can represent military might and power. It can represent what's the strength of man and also what's the strength of nature. But here's David declaring, some, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses, and then he's inclusive. But we, we as a people, we will trust in the name of the Lord our God. And that's the message that we're trying to get across today. We, we as this church, we as this body of believers, not just the people in this building and watching online, but we should be contagious in this message. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. We will trust in a character that's never failed us. We will trust with a virtue and a strength that has never wavered. We will trust in the name of the Lord our God. In his commentary, Matthew Henry wrote this, talking about David. Though he had prophets and priests and many good people among his subjects to pray for him, King David did not think that excused him from praying for himself. Let none expect benefit by the prayers of the church or of their ministers or friends for them. Let none of them expect benefit who are capable of praying for themselves and yet neglect to do it. The prayers of others for us must be desired not to supersede, but to second our own prayers for ourselves. Let me read verse 4 again. May he grant your heart's desire. May he grant your will and fulfill all your plans. I want you guys to know that this isn't a promise for you to get your will. This is a reminder for you to align your will with God's. It's not a promise that you're going to get everything you want. It's a reminder to align your will with God so that when we pray, Lord, your will be done we are truly submitted and we are blessed because then we will see our will brought about as the Father sees his will done. Chris wonderfully reminded us of the prayer of Jesus in Luke 22. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. But yet not my will. Yet not my will. Yet not my will. But yours be done. If it was necessary for our Savior to pray this, how much more so us? If it was necessary for Jesus to pray this, how much more so us? In the spiritual war in which we're all engaged, and we are. We're in the midst of the battle. Whether you're fighting or not, you're in the midst of a spiritual warfare. The first and necessary step to victory is this. We surrender, right? The first step to victory, the necessary step to victory is we surrender. We surrender all confidence in the wisdom and strength of me, of ourselves. We surrender all confidence in the wisdom and strength of this world and this world system. We must remember that alone we can do nothing. But in the name of Jesus, by the work of Jesus, through the power of Jesus, 
and for the sake of King Jesus, our Lord and our God will be victorious. We will be victorious. Some Christians are praying for for Joe Biden to be president. Some Christians are praying for Donald Trump to be reelected. Who's God going to listen to? Lord, I really want this, but Lord, I don't want what I want. I want what you want. So Lord, your will be done. Now read Daniel 3, read Daniel 4, read Daniel 5. You see three different kings. You see deep state activity. I'm serious. I'm totally serious. You see deep state activity. You see political manipulation. You see rulers that are manipulated and that are are swayed like a puppet. And you see godly men being godly men. You see Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego saying, we will not die in that fire. But if we do, if our God doesn't deliver us, we still won't bow down and worship any other idol. You see Daniel saying, I know you've said for 30 days we can't pray to any other name. No can do. Not even for 30 days. Not even for 30 days. I'm not willing to make that compromise. I will pray to my God. We see the results of ungodly rulers being repentance of a nation and rulers being changed by the strength of believers. We see after Daniel surviving the the lion's den, we see... We see that ruler. We see Darius saying, first of all, you clowns that manipulated me, gone. And I'm letting you know right now, we will pray to the God of Daniel because he saved him from the lion's den. We have to trust God. We have to be okay with not getting our way and and not thinking the world's falling apart. David's trust in God could be justified on many grounds. But one of those was the simple truth that David realized this. Trusting God works. Trusting God works. Putting your your trust and your faith in yourself, that's... There's limitations. And I'm not comfortable with those limitations. Our trust has to be in Jesus Christ alone. Earlier I made the comment that we must know the character of God before we can remember it, right? We must know the character of God before we can remember it. If you don't know the character of God who's perfectly exemplified in the person of Jesus Christ, then I want you to know that you can. If you don't have the hope, the assurance of joy and peace that was purchased with the, with the blood of Jesus Christ, with the completed, faithful, obedient work of Jesus Christ and the mighty resurrection of Jesus Christ, I want you to know you can. You can know him. Bible says we got to call out. We got to call out. Jesus, save me. Jesus, change me. Jesus, I give you me. Jesus, I yield to you. Jesus, I don't want to be right. I want you to be right. I need you to be right. I've been right my whole life. And look where it's gotten me. Jesus, I need you to be right.
If we can close our eyes for a second. If you don't know Jesus, I'm not going to ask you to repeat a prayer. I'm going to ask you to call out from the center of your heart right now, which is probably just pounding and, and ready to burst because because you know that at this moment right now, the Lord is drawing you to trust in him. So I'm asking you just to call out upon his name. Say, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I give you my life. Jesus, I, I, I turn from sin and I turn to you, but I don't know how to move forward from here and trust him with every next step. If that's you and you've never trusted your life in Jesus, do that now. Do that now. Don't wait. I'm not trying to hype you up. I'm just trying to seize the moment. If, if you did that, your question, your next question is going to be what now? At the end of the service, there's going to be an email address. And I ask you to, to email us. I'll call you back. I'll let you know what the next steps are. We'll link arms and, and we'll point you to Christ in, in what we do.